You're listening to Red Nation Online. It's Ian Clark, and that's it. Yes, I'm flying solo this week after Toronto FC earned their first comprehensive win of the season, taking out the Chicago Fire 3-1. It was all Joe Vinco, a classic performance from the Italian DP, as he was full of confidence that led to his brace. I go over the lineup, moments of the match, questionable substitutions, and some sights and sounds. It's all that and more on the next 20 minutes on East Side Stand Up. Steve Perry didn't make it to the game tonight. You know, his priorities all out of whack. Gotta take my wife out for her birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how it is, I guess. But here I am, you know, again, like I said, all alone. Thought about reeling in the usual suspects of the podcast, but the list grew thin. Very thin, very fast. Uh, you know, Aaron Nielsen had was all tied up. Andres Adorozny's in London right now watching Spurs. And, uh, you know, a few other guys that I tried to reach out to just didn't line up. So I thought to myself, you know, if Andre did a podcast by himself last year, Bill Burr does a podcast by himself every week. Uh, why can't I do one? So this could be brutal. Let's be honest. This could be uh, a bit of a shit show, but I think better this than nothing because it was a great game and I want to get my thoughts out and I want to share it with everyone because I, you know, I live to give. So here we are. Post-match, Arn Rooftop Studios, back from BMO Field, Toronto FC, 3-1 win. And I think perhaps the consensus, what people were saying is, fuck, this is the game we've been waiting for all season. And no coincidence, perhaps, it was against the Chicago Fire. Think back, 2007, first goal ever, 3-1 win over the Chicago Fire. Now, hopefully this isn't uh, signs that it's going to regress back to 2007 but hopefully it's a sign that things will be on the up and up now that we've beaten Chicago three to one especially a team that looked pretty good so far everyone's you know all the talk about Chicago is, is Schweinsteiger and uh, how good he's been right off the hop but uh, I think that's you know there's a sigh of relief that I'm feeling it was the game that you know we haven't really seen since before the MLS Cup final I mean, the Montreal series like took our breath away. The final was lackluster, and the start of the season, I think we all can agree, hasn't been great. Uh, there hasn't, like uh, Josie Altidore said last week, they haven't been focused, they haven't been sharp, and we saw a lot of that tonight. And I think the first thought that I'll say before I get into a few, you know key players, moments, lineup, and all that was, you know, Jovinko. What else can you say? He really came out there. I wonder if it's something where, you know, Schweinsteiger comes out and Jovinko wants to prove himself. Is it something, you know, where Italians and Germans, that's just, uh, you know, the Germans bring the best of Italians, as, as so we've seen. Something along those lines where, man, he just looked like his old self. The, those great games that we've seen him play at BMO Field back to 2015. So it was a really great thing to see. And, uh, 
you know, if we go through, maybe I'll start off just quick, you know, running through the lineup and uh, nothing, nothing that out of the ordinary, you know, obviously from what we saw last week, of course, Drew Moore is still out of there. I still put questions out there on the back line, but as I'll get into it, I think it was silenced on Friday night. I think the back line did a great job and the one major blunder actually came from the midfield. And if we look at that midfield, you know, the only change, and I think some people may have been discussing is it's Marky Delgado that slots in uh, with Vasquez and Bradley. And I think that's, I think that's still going to be a talking point uh, for games going forward. And I really think I was saying this to Dino and a few people I was sitting with in the crowd where I feel, still feel like that, that position, that spot in our roster, you know, if one of those guys can step up and put in an extra, I don't know, I don't know, you can't put a percentage on it, but you know what I mean, starts playing that much better. Um, our midfield would be great. Uh, you know, Osorio, I have all the time in the world for him. I think he's the guy, but I have to admit, you know, if he'd been clinical on his chances against Kansas City, uh, if he'd shown a little bit more decisiveness in possession, I think it would be a lock. And that's a problem because Cooper runs hot and cold. When he runs hot, I will admit, the Atlanta game, he looked amazing. The Columbus game, he looked terrible. And Delgado, I thought he had some good points today. He obviously was willing to get stuck in. But, again, same kind of thing where he just, he just seems that one beat off. He just doesn't see – he obviously wasn't in sync. And I, I questioned some of his decision-making with passing. You know, he laid some balls off that were just so telegraphed and so obvious that – you know, as the, she, I just I think he would have caught defenders by surprise if he'd actually been more aggressive than if he laid it off to Josie or laid it off to Jovenko. And if I maybe roll into the match, you know, right from the start, another, another Chicago Fire flashback to 2012 where Torsten Frings turned the ball over to Dominic Oduro within the first minute of the game, I think it was. And here we are again, the, the first minute of the game and Chicago almost scores uh, off a free kick. And that would have been... You know, you could feel a collective heart sink in everyone's into their into the pit of their stomach because that is not the kind of start we needed. And as I've noted, that Toronto's looked. I think Toronto's looked great off the opening whistle most of these games, and it's been a shame again, like Atlanta, that they conceded that goal early on when they looked pretty good. And I would say this game was more of the same. I think the first half for Toronto has been pretty good this season, especially of late. And it's just eliminating mistakes, especially defensively, and being clinical with their chances. You know, and right after that Chicago chance, Toronto almost scores. And I think a lot of people at the time were sort of, and that's in, where I'm sitting in 105, we were all questioning that as well. You know, where was this Where was this offside? Josie was onside by a mile. I think it was Jovinko, who him and Josie are just looking great right now, if you ask me. They're totally in sync. And laying off balls to one another, some of the, you know, these flicks and tricks don't work out, but... I'm willing to give them a little bit of slack on it because when it connects, it looks beautiful. Again, uh, Jovenko's first goal of the season was all class, and this one would have been awesome, although Josie did hit the post. It looked like uh, we, someone was, I think it was Vasquez or Jovenko, followed up and, well, the play was over. But anyways, uh, it looked like it would have been a goal-scoring chance uh, and probably a goal. But as that first half goes through, uh, you know, the first things you want to say or that I noticed, and as I mentioned off the top, was Jovenko. What else can you say? He definitely had fire in his belly, and it looked like the player of old, where he was trying shots. And, and, you know, I think people might, you know, the criticism of him the last two years, you know, people say he shoots too much, or maybe he hogs the ball a little bit. And, you know, my thoughts on that are, you know, just having watched this team for the last 11 years, and, the, you know, the array of players that have come in who are supposed to be, 
you know, goal scorers and carry this team, et cetera, et cetera. And especially in the last few years, you know, without him, I just find, and we saw this in this game too, where, you know, Vasquez showed it, Delgado showed it, where you have these close goal scoring chances and they just, they just fuck around with the ball and dribble it and they fake and whatever. And then they might pass it and they don't pass it. And then they finally shoot it when three guys are all around them. And I, for me, I'm sorry. I would rather see Jovinko try a shot from 20 yards out and have force the keeper to make a diving save or just go over the bar and him get in sync and him build up his confidence because that's what we saw in the 28th minute where Vasquez gets it off to Jovinko and it was just this, the trigger on that shot. You know, it, he doesn't always shoot the hardest shot. I think, it's, I think a lot of what Jovinko offers, which we've discussed before, is timing and placement. And I think that is perhaps sometimes, you know, uh, underrated in a striker's abilities. And that's what he does. And he did it a couple of times this game where he tried to pull it in near post. And he gave the, the keeper trouble um, having to get low and get over there to try to stop the ball. I think there might have been three or four this game where Jovenko had similar shots like that that really just were on that, you know, outside of the post. You know, that was a great thing to see that he finally scores this nice goal, the same kind of goal we saw when he first came here that first season where, you know, he was a breath of fresh air. And then, of course, uh, Toronto FC on a set piece. Another thing that in the last two years, maybe three, but two or three for sure, I guess probably going to 2015. I mean, before set pieces, whether it was a free kick or a corner kick, man, it was just, I can think back. You know, if I, if I again, rewind it back to 2010, 2011, especially 2010, that was such an awful year. You know, our, our free kicks, the Broca, the set piece specialist was taking our, our free kicks and all that stuff. And it was just, you know, we might as well just kick them to the other team, you know, not even bother. Um, but now, you know, Vasquez to me is a great option in the corners. Uh, you know, it leaves Jovinko out there to pounce on something. He's got pace, he can get back and all that stuff. And it's, I think it's great to see that Zavaleta got that header, not just for Uncle Greg, but also for the fact that, A, I mean, he used to be a striker, so that kind of taps into his, his uh, NCAA skill set. But I think you, it's nice to see that you have two defenders in Zavaleta and Haglin, and of course more, if you think about it, guys. All three of our center backs are threats on corner kicks and, and are tangible now, if you can say that with Zavaleta scoring on that header. And even Haglin had a chance um, and was looking good on that. So that was definitely a positive thing to see that Zavaleta scores that goal. And I think at halftime, everyone was feeling pretty good, if I'm thinking back to how the night went. Two nothing. I personally would have preferred us to get up to four, uh, just because there is still that, you know, inkling that that two goals that Toronto can't hold on to a two goal lead, uh, especially the way this season started. You know, again, because they just haven't been clinical. But they came out in the second half, and they still looked pretty good. And I got to say, you know, Josie was a threat most of the game, getting some chances, working well. And if I skip ahead, obviously the goal from Jovinko, the free kick. Jesus, when the last time we saw him score on a free kick? You know, all his great ones obviously came in 2015. And it was amazing. And I don't know if, I'm sure other people in the stands saw it as well, but we were watching it. We're in 105, so we kind of have a perfect angle down to the south end. And it's like, as soon as I saw where that keeper was positioned, we're all saying to each other, it's going to be a goal. There's just, and the distance too, you can weigh that in. I think there's two things that you can kind of wager on with the Jovinko free kick is, you know, how far away from the 18 yard box and then where that keeper's position. And, you know, he just, I think it was the New York game last year in the playoffs where away the keeper did the same thing. 
anyways, I know I've seen it before where I'm just like, why is that keeper on the far post? Does he really think his wall is going to take care of this? Because he'll bend it over. It kind of reminded me of that FC Dallas game in 2015 where he just stood and, and just knocked it over and curled it in. And I can't remember if that one hit the, hit the, hit the crossbar. But anyways, what else can you say? It hits the crossbar and goes in. The guy, and we all kind of, everyone I think kind of stopped because it, it went straight down. So you're like, did it go in the net? Yes, it went in the net. An amazing goal. Up 3-0. Hey, it would have been better 4-0, but I guess, like I said, in terms of karma, not karma, coincidence, who knows, some sort of sign, uh, Chicago had to score to make it 3-1. And I feel kind of like an asshole because the guy that I'd been railing for last week to get in the game, Benoit Shaver, is the guy who kind of fucked up on that play. So that was kind of disappointing. And if the, I guess if I, you know, we're all happy about that, but of course, I think the discussion heading out of this game, or one of them, was of course the substitutions. And... You know, I, I've kind of put my thoughts out there on what I think of Greg Vanny, and I'm kind of like, you know, lukewarm, I guess you could say, or not cold. Uh, you know, I kind of think, you know, of course, I've always said I'd rather have a, a, a tangibly experienced guy on the touchline, but also part of me thinks, fuck, if you have an organization that spends that kind of money, I mean, you really got to be a fucking moron not to be able to at least get something out of this, but there has to be something to said for man management and some of the you know substitution decisions and i think you know there's gonna be two sides of the coin uh you know a lot of some questions at jovinko but then part of me does say you know he's he struggled with his form and he struggled with i don't know about his confidence but when you have a game like that where he's just completely on fire i don't know why you wouldn't let him see that through you know why you wouldn't let him get there to the final whistle he's obviously the man of the match so <laughs> we didn't see him pick up his award at the end of the night because he knocked over the thing and ran out. So I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of, that's kind of my take on it where it's like, you know, he kind of, I don't know if that was for the best, the best thing for the team. I know TFC, like they had this whole spin about how fucking unbeated, un, unbeaten run we had to the start of the year. But I think most people who were, you know, unbiased, and saw this through a clear lens was that Toronto wasn't looking that great to start the season. And when Toronto's look great is when Jovinko's on fire. So I question it. I do. Um, I would have liked to see him just see that game through. I mean, Josie's, I would say, uh, Josie's the least, you know, he's kind of fiery, but you know what I mean? I feel like he's a guy that's like, he is, he is a team player. I think you could have taken Josie out and Josie would have accepted it and sat on the bench and been like, whatever. Uh, I think you got to give your guy who's, again, been struggling a little bit, that opportunity to, to punch in and punch out the full shift uh, so that he can do it. And then I also did think the Vasquez substitution was a bit strange. He wasn't having a great game, but, you know, I did think he was doing all right. And I, he was another guy where he was starting to get those chances where we were kind of screaming for him to shoot the ball. And then he finally did pull the trigger when he should have. And it would have been like, I think we might have seen another chance like that if the game had gone on. I really want to see Vasquez, you know, score a goal other than the one he scored against Vancouver. I want to see him pull, pull some strings or make some moves in around the 18-yard box to kind of do a, something you expect. Even though he's wearing number seven, he has been billed as our number 10. So you kind of want to see some of that, you know, Higuain comparison, I think, that people make or expect from him. That kind of uh, flash. I'm trying to think where else I can where I can go from those those two substitutions. Well, you know, maybe if the last thing I'll do is maybe I'll just run through the team loosely from what my thoughts are on the game and uh, the players that played. You know, if we talk on the back line, I, I, maybe we'll talk with Alex Bono because I'm 
partially of the mind that he's sort of in the same state that he was last year where he might take a few games to really get warmed up. He had a couple, like, fucking doozy kicks upfield that went to no one, like, which is atrocious. Um, but I think that comes with game experience. And, you know, he made he had some pretty bad moments against Atlanta. And uh, I don't know if you can fault him on the goal tonight, but I'm willing to maybe cut him a little bit of slack. But I think he's still a guy that... You know, he's, he's got to get a bit sharper, for sure, uh, between the sticks. But the back line, you know, I, I'm always critical of the young guys. I always put Canadians first. But I thought Nick Haglin, you know, people were talking about Nick Haglin last week. You know, Terry Dunfield with his uh, synapses. Uh, I didn't think he was that great last week, but I thought he played really good this week. Um, he seems to have the, the, the sliding technique of, a, of a, you know, blocking passes down quite well. Um, he doesn't. He's pretty. He doesn't have great pace when he gets caught out. But when those opportunities arose, luckily he never got isolated with David Akam. But any of the other guys where he was sort of like in open field, running, you know, one one v one with a guy, he did well. And the one thing I'll always say about Nick Hagland is, you know, when the in when the plays in front of him and long balls are coming in, I will stay. I will. I will go on record as saying he's the guy that I want as your aerial threat, uh, challenging for those long balls. He's fucking awesome, Adam. Uh, I'll give him credit for that all day. And I'll also say in this game, he was definitely better with the ball at his feet. He can be a bit sloppy at times. And I will say the one thing, good thing about Zavaleta getting that goal is that uh, when he's in possession, man, Mike, I'm just like, fucking pass it. Could you please just get the ball off your feet as soon as possible? Because he gets kind of cute with it and ends up just turning it over and it drives me nuts. But aside from that, I mean, I like that Moro's on the back line. I thought he had a tidy game. It was one of those games, you know, where you say it's it's a great thing when you don't notice the back line, which I agree. But this was one of those games where I did notice the back line and in a good way. So I think that's a positive thing to take away from this match. Obviously, the goal that came through came through the midfield. And I still stand by how it opened this. Whereas if we can get one of those guys, whether it's Delgado, Cooper or Osorio to really just take their game up another notch and be more consistent. I think that's what it is, obviously. Be more consistent. Then that that three of you know Vasquez, Bradley, and whoever that third guy is, I think we'll all be really happy. Uh, Edwards has looked pretty good, I think, as a wingback. Betashore, I think, does the job. I think he's and he's not a great wingback, but he he definitely puts in a shift. I have to give him credit for his hard work. And uh, you know, and if I will say too, I thought Michael Bradley also played a great game tonight, and he had some moments where he was <laughs> knocking Schweinsteiger down, which I thought was awesome. Um, and then, of course, up top, I thought Josie did fine. I felt really bad that he had that last chance right at the end of the game, where it's similar to Jovinko's uh, goal in a way, where he just kind of took the ball, did a lot of work with it too, which I you know, have to give him credit for, and then ju- juked to his right and pulled the trigger super fast um, and forced the keeper to make a diving save. And it would have been, that would have been the icing on the cake. Icing on the cake would have mean if, if Ricketts came in and scored. But if Josie had scored, then you would have had, you know, Javinko, jo- Josie scoring goals and uh, a nice goal from Zavaleta. But at the end of the day, this is the game I think we needed, especially with the next three coming up where it's like, I kind of feel like Chicago, Houston, Orlando, um, I think we're better than all those teams, but those are all teams that can take points from us. That's the way I kind of look at it, of course. Um, you know, Houston should be a win. Orlando, they're looking great, but, I, you know, I still, I, at home, we should be able to beat them. And then, of course, we go into Seattle on May 6th, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be, for us to be hot 
going into that game, I think will be important because I fucking hate Seattle now. I fucking hate them. There was a guy that came into my section. If you go into some sights and sounds, I guess um, there was a couple that sit behind us, Dino and Julie, who are they've been there since day one, and just total diehards, and they're great to sit behind. And there was, um, you know, something went on last year where they missed like half the season. They had stuff they had to deal with. And which, you know, kind of like made me sad that these guys missed out on, which was the most epic run. But the guy that was sitting behind them, they hadn't seen yet this season. He's a guy that's been around for a long time, too. And he was kind of like filling them in on how the playoff run went, which was like, I'm like, dude, do we have to rehash this? Like, we all know how this ends. It doesn't end good. Um, but he did it anyways. And anyway, you know, he's going over the Seattle game. I don't know where my point is because we're talking about the Seattle game. And this guy's talking about the Seattle game. And it just was making me so mad. Um, and that's my point. I don't like the Sounders anymore. I thought that game was fucking shit. Anyhow, if I any other sights and sounds, I would say, you know what bugs me to no end <laughs> is when the fucking European superstar comes in and all of a sudden they call the Schweinsteiger's name and it was like as loud as when they call out Jovinko. It pisses me off. But I guess it is what it is. You know, we're in Toronto. You know, there's X amount of TFC fans and tens of thousands, if not a hundred, of football supporters who don't support Toronto FC, who support Germany, Italy, France. You know, we saw that when Thierry Henry came here. We saw that when Del Piero came through. It is what it is. And then I guess maybe the last thing I just want to throw out there is as I was coming home, I was seeing these tweets. Um, You know, we always are sort of, I think, aligned with the South End and supporters' uh, issues. And I saw this fucking tweet from, I think it was from Chris Schuller about, I don't know, somehow they wouldn't, they weren't allowed to light off smoke in the second half. I'm sure more will come out on that, but oh, it just shakes my head. And especially I was going to go off about Bill Manning again today. <laughs> I was like a crazy old man on the roof by myself here right now. I think that would have gone over well, especially if someone shows up. Just how t- out of touch that guy is. And I, and I never really connected, you know, when he's talking about Canadian soccer, how last year... Just how ridiculous, because he was the one, I think, that, like, stamped out all the shit with the South End and was trying to be, like, fucking, you know, the mean stepdad. And, uh, but he just, I just think that guy just doesn't have a fucking clue, to be honest with you. I mean, he obviously knows the landscape, but in terms of, like, really understanding things at the ground level, I don't think he, I don't think he does. And whatever the, I don't know why, I'm assuming he has some sort of say in what was going on when they were talking about the smoke not being allowed in the second half, which I thought was weird. Because that was the end, the half that Chicago was in our end. So wouldn't you want to smoke them out instead of doing it in our own first half? I don't know. Point of the, I think the gist of it is like, you know, the last whatever, I guess five months carrying over to last season, the stadium has been on fire. And whenever this team has tried to fucking reel it in is when it's gone to shit. Any coincidence, right? I don't know. I don't think so. Just let them, just let the, the South End, these guys know how to, they know how to do their shit. Let them do their thing. The last, probably since, you know, since they've been allowed to support again last fall, it's been awesome. Especially the end of last year. That was, that was the best stretch we've ever had, I think, in stadium. Except for patches here and there through the first five or six seasons where there was, you know, one or two things to get excited about. Anyways, that's my rant. Okay, so, 23-minute podcast, talking by myself. I, I, listen, if you, if you get to this point... (laughs) <laughs> give us five stars on iTunes or at least tweet me or do something and be like, give me a pat on the back because this is outrageous. That I thought this was going to be a five-minute podcast, to be honest with you, and I didn't even think I'd be able to talk by myself this long. So um, 
Thankfully, no one else was here to interrupt me like they usually do. So uh, I think I'll leave it at that, guys. 23 minutes, 24 minutes of me babbling, babbling on all by myself. Um, thanks for getting it. If you get to this point, I appreciate it. And uh, sticking with the pod. Uh, this is how it's gone so far this season. And uh, I'll be back next Friday. Hey, maybe I'll be by myself again. Uh, but I think Steve will be there and uh, for the Houston Dynamo game. So we'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah.